stuff was just coming out of my nose and my body was wrecked. And I just remember thinking, what in the heck am I doing? You know, I still have 20, I still have 2,400, 2,500 more miles of this. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast brought to you by 180 TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Hey everybody, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. We got a great episode for you today, but before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you'd like to become a patron of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. It's five bucks a month, it gets you access to a lot of extra content, and uh, just think of it as buying the show a couple coffees every month. A little way to give back. So we'd really appreciate it if you took that step. Uh, if you're already a patron, thank you. If you're not, consider it. Thanks. All right, so welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Today, I have uh, actually got my best friend, Paul Austin. He's on the line, and uh, he's just going to share with you kind of some of the things he's done with me by himself. Uh, he, he He's a bike tour. He's he's done the Tour Divide uh, that, that follows the Continental Divide Trail. I know we've had a lot of people on the show that have done something like that, but it's always neat to hear someone's fresh perspective and stories on that. He also does ultra running. This guy's run across the state of Florida, self-supported. I mean, I can say this cause he's my best friend, but Paul, you're, you're a crazy man <laughs> in, in a good way. <laughs> I'd take that as a compliment. Thank yeah, you, man. Yeah. You, you are, I've always described you as like a Navy SEAL that is not a Navy SEAL. You just, you're living normal life like the rest of us, but you got this extra level about you. Why don't you just tell us how you got into adventure sports and what exactly it is you do? Oh, goodness, man. Adventure sports started for me, I guess, in 2010. Uh, That's when, you know, you and I... You and I decided we were going to do something crazy after I graduated from college, and mm-hmm. uh, that's when I cooked up the idea to <clears throat> ship ship a couple bikes from Florida to Alaska, fly mm-hmm. out to fly out to Fairbanks, put the bikes together, and then uh, just make our way back to Florida. That's that's how it all started. Jeez, do, do you remember how the first conversation? when we were talking about it what was what was that like like when we got the idea yeah i mean i vaguely remember uh, i was looking at a world map i said hey why don't we do this i described the you know the trip and i just remember your face man your mouth kind of just dropped i remember your your eyes just kind of they went from like a five to like an eight in size and it was just like (laughs) <laughs> from that from that second like I knew like you were on board and I knew I was on board because you know I wasn't joking around man and then uh from that moment on man, it was it was insane we just had this like this uh like iron like iron will and enthusiasm to just get that thing done and it was just, it was incredible yeah so so were you would you consider yourself um experience when you first started did you know what you were doing uh no i mean i'm i'm very i was i was already super you know active and of course mm-hmm. you and i we met on the basketball team 
So we were both uh, very active and into athletics. Yeah. But as far as, you know, adventure and things of that nature, no, nah, my experience was, uh, you know, one or two night camping trips. Man. That, that was the extent of my experience. I didn't own a bicycle at the time. I wasn't yeah. a cyclist. I wasn't a mm-hmm. cyclist at all. Uh, not even, not even, you know, leisurely, not to commute, nothing. Golly. So, Do you remember what you said that first day when uh, we got the idea and you walked out of my apartment you, right before you shut the door? Yeah, yeah, about, about the chances. Yeah, about the chances. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I said I, I, you know, I knew how big and, you know, um, I knew how grand the idea was. And it was almost, you know, just like a, a joke. So I think I said I'll give this. I think you probably remember better than me, but I think I said I'll give this a 20 percent chance That's of right. happening. Yep, 20 percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, so, yeah, if you haven't you know, gotten the picture yet, that that's Paul and I were roommates for a year and then remained really good friends and we flew up to Alaska with our bicycles and rode, rode them back home to Florida, which is where we lived and where we're both from. And, right. uh, yeah, man. So why don't you share a couple stories from that trip? What's something that sticks out to you about that? Oh boy. Uh, I would say one of the most vivid memories I have, um, was in Canada somewhere in, um, somewhere in the Yukon. And I remember, you know, getting something to eat near Whitehorse, running into some uh, motorcycle guys saying, you know, we've been seeing a lot of bears on the Alcan, the way you guys are headed. And then um, they were just telling us to be careful, but you know, we, what could we do? You know, we had to, we had to keep headed south, heading south. So I remember we camped that night and um, lo and behold, you know, we, we're surrounded. Our tent was surrounded by at least one or two bears. And, yeah. um, I'll never forget it, man. That was probably the most scared I'd ever been. You know, it was pitch yeah. black, you know, thousands of mosquitoes just lined outside mm-hmm. of our, outside of our tent. It's just a eerie, eerie feeling. Just, uh, hearing the bears grunt and kind of just break all the sticks. And, uh, it was crazy. That was a crazy feeling. That was the most terrified yeah. I've ever been. Yeah, same here. Man, and do you remember how quiet it was that night when the bear was approaching? Like <laughs> yes. It, took, it felt like it took an hour for it to get up to our tent, and then it was right outside, breathing. Yep. You hear yep. it breathing. You could. I, I yep. remember falling asleep with my heart pounding, because mm. like from exhaustion of just waiting, and I remember waking up the next morning thinking. I just fell asleep during that, during this experience of this bear basically pacing around our tent and mm-hmm. our bikes. That was, that was, that was an eerie, eerie day after that. And I don't know. Yeah, it just, oh. yeah. yeah, definitely. After that Alaska experience, what did you, what did you do next? And what was it, what was it like coming home after, after such a long trip like that? Yeah. Coming home was, that was strange. That was really weird. Um, that was a weird time for me because I had just finished school Hmm. and I got a degree in history and I thought I wanted to be a teacher and also a a basketball coach. Mm -hmm. So that was my plan. But, um, I don't know, essentially the trip just kind of wrecked my life in a lot of ways. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, like a drug. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny to laugh at now, but honestly, man, I was like, it was just like a really, really bad lull in my life where I didn't know what to do next because hmm. I had been been so deeply affected by that that um, <clears throat> sense of uh, adventure and travel and yeah. trying to figure out you know what was next and how could I integrate more of that lifestyle into um into my future hmm. they really threw a monkey wrench into my life plan i guess you could say dang man now i, I remember going back to school that next semester and failing a bunch of classes because <laughs> i'd just be sitting in class like staring staring at a thousand yard stare like yeah. thinking about that grizzly or something <laughs> yeah. it really screwed me up too but I, I know you were super affected by it because we went canoeing that winter and you had shared a lot and uh yeah, yeah. Man, you were at a transition in life that so so man that's interesting because we talk about on the show a lot it's life-changing for people and it's like blissful and it's it's all good stuff but you know sometimes it totally wrecks you like it's the best experience you could imagine uh-huh. but it just destroys your daily life when you get back in the sense of like nothing really seems to compare to it right um, and, and, and biking for two and a half months, isn't really something you can just do on the weekend or whenever you want between responsibilities. So yeah, right. it does put you in a predicament sometimes. And, and that itself is its own, I don't know, it's its own tour, its own tr- adventure to work through, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, I just had so many other, um, I had so like many other life plans for when I got home that didn't include adventure at all yeah you know like i enjoyed it so much that you know i couldn't see myself going through with these you know plans that i had already made because you know none of them involved me being able to do you know cool adventures like that yeah was it hard to connect with people about it like what were because i hear that a lot and we've read that in books together um when you get home after such a long experience and imagine people who are out doing stuff for like years, they they can't really connect with the people back home because there's just no way for them to understand what you went through. I mean, it. I definitely had a hard time. I mean, that's you're you're the only person you know I could have talked talked to when I came home that uh, they kind of had a uh, hmm. just a even the smallest taste of uh, kind of what we went through. Um, you know, I just, I had no, I knew no one who did anything like that. I wasn't in any kind of those circles. Um, you know, I, Orlando, Florida, you know, it's Mickey Mouse land, <laughs> uh, the entertainment yeah. capital of, of America. Yeah. yeah. People just did not do that. I was crazy. I, you know, I was considered crazy, you know, by, by pretty family. much everyone I knew. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I remember. And so that's actually a, a good idea because you are yeah you're from orlando you live in orlando but you know in an effort to not feel so isolated you have gotten involved with a lot of things around there what's some of the what's some of the things you do or have done recently well well it's interesting because you know a couple years after we got back from the um alaska the transcontinental uh bike tour Mm -hmm. i met a guy in canada on the day before we left to do the tour divide so that was 2013 yeah yeah 
he was he's from Deland, Florida, which is 40 minutes north of Orlando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, we had never heard of each other, never never crossed paths in Florida, but I met I meet him in Banff, Alberta, and uh <laughs> he's known, he's known in central Florida as being like the expert uh bike packer. So he he creates these really awesome routes in Florida and all over the southeast actually. So I met him and then started getting involved in some of the things, uh, some of the bike, bike packing, you can call them races, you can call them time trials, whatever you want to call them. But uh, there are several, you know, all the way from Key West up to, uh, you know, the Alabama, Florida border. So they're all over Florida and they're actually really fun. Cool. Yeah. What, what are they like? Because, you know, a lot of people think of Florida as just this super flat, super sandy maybe just all beach, but like, yeah. you know, like where do these routes go and what are they like to, to ride them? Right. Yeah. So the, the, the one I'm most familiar with is called the, uh, CFIT, okay. which is, uh, the acronym for cross Florida individual time trial. And essentially what it is, is you start either on the East coast or the West coast, and then you make your way. The route is depending on which way you go. And, um, you know, which, I guess, which option you decide to take mm-hmm. the route can be from 250 to about 300 and I don't know, 310, 320 miles. The uh, difference in uh, mileage is if you catch the ferry, uh. there's, a, there's a car ferry that goes over the St. John's river. And, uh, depending on when you get there and your timing, you, you either catch that or you have to take a pretty, uh, large detour up north around to a bridge Mm, okay yeah but the route itself is really neat it's a mix of uh road so it's probably about 100 miles road 100 miles uh dirt this dirt path and then like 50 miles or so of single track are there hills yeah yeah there's some hills (laughs) um goodness where you go when you get toward the west coast toward dunnelin yeah, you definitely pick up a few hills and you go, obviously you go through Ocala National Forest. That's a really diverse and uh, beautiful place to ride as well. Man. So, so, uh, I think a lot of people that listen to the show, um, go out and do something like what you did with the Alaska trip or right. like the tour right. divide and then have to go back somewhere that probably isn't as desirable. No offense to anybody, but you know <laughs> what I mean? That isn't just, doesn't have that culture. Um, right. When you get back home after something like that, do you, how do you view home at that point? Do you ever do you, do you discover new things? Does it disappoint you? What is it like? Yeah, so like you're just asking like how do I view like the place where I live or where yeah. I have to go back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's it's always bittersweet, man. It's like the places, you know, where I do, where I try to go adventure, you know, Usually I try to go somewhere that's in the mountains because I, I, I love the mountains. Yeah. So when I come, when I know I have to come back to Florida and deal with, you know, negative elevations or zero elevations. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can be down a little bit, but, you know, ultimately, you know, this is really all I've ever known as far as living somewhere. I've never lived anywhere else. Hmm. But, um, you know, I get my fix you know, on, on things like the lakes, you know, I live right near a lake. Yeah, I do yeah. a lot of kayaking and paddle boarding and, um, 
I don't know, man. You work, you work. It's hard to describe. You work with what you have, you know, you can, uh, you can be bitter and and mope around or you can, uh, you can use what you have. I always try to use what I have and, uh, just try to try to stay thankful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think it's hard because I'm from Florida too. And just growing up there, you kind of get your rut in your rut of of what you experience, what you go see. And You know, it wasn't until I started discovering the West or different places in the world where it's like I come back home and realize, dang, there's like tons of stuff around here that I never knew about because, you know, maybe my parents weren't into it or my friends weren't. But then you go back home and it's like, dang, we got all these, we got these springs, we got this ocean um, culture and waterways galore. There's all kinds of crazy animals, really, really wild diverse tropical places even and uh-huh. and i don't know every time i'm back home in florida it's like there's a list of things that i want to see that i just didn't know about as a kid and frankly didn't care about until my eyes were open through some of the experiences we did together you know no yeah i, I definitely can yeah agree with that if i think florida in itself is man it's so it's really underrated and outdoor you know um conducive state or environment you know we have the two national parks we have tons three. and tons of three national parks yeah oh. biscayne dry tortugas and everglades right okay so three national parks tons of state forests got the ocala national forest um all the springs like you said yeah big cypress there's yeah. there's a lot of a lot of cool things. It's here. a cra- remember when we kayaked the Peace River? How just that was an adventure of <laughs> uh, of any caliber. You know what I mean? That was every yeah. element, gators to snakes to to yeah. fit. We caught a turtle and ate, and ate it. <laughs> we caught. I think we caught a glimpse of a Florida panther. I remember that. Oh yeah, that's right. We we caught those uh, those crazy people out in the woods. Remember? That? <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we won't go into what they were doing, but <laughs> you can use your imagination. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, man. So Florida, dude, think of all the animals. They you got panthers. Same like yep. that's what a mountain lion is. Same thing. Same uh, thing. The every creature in the ocean you can imagine, from sharks to stingrays to 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 eels to every fish known to man. Um, yeah. All the yep. freshwater stuff. You got gators. You got yeah. crocodiles. You've got tons of venomous <laughs> snakes. Tons. Yeah. You've got yeah. the boa con- right? It's the pythons or the boa constrictors down there now. Oh, like, probably both. Both. Oh yeah. Okay. So huge snakes. You got iguanas like in the trees. Yeah. Parrots. I remember there was a there was like a flock of parrots that used to fly over our house all the time. Yeah. And I just it was it's a bizarre place. Um, Florida's very bizarre. So I read a, yeah. a headline on, on the news the other day. It said, um, it said seven feet long, 150 pound lizard, like tor- tormenting residences in Pine Island. <laughs> Holy cow. Dude, that's so where since, my father-in-law lives. Oh yeah? Yeah. I have to ask him about it. <laughs> he lives on Pine Island. <laughs> it was a giant monitor lizard. Yeah. Our, dude, they used to call that, uh, in my town, they called that the... Dang, they had a nickname for it, like this really sinister, like devil name. But yeah, there's <laughs> stinking Komodo dragons, monitor lizards, just walking around in the woods. If you can come across them, they can <laughs> bite your leg off. You know, it's crazy. Yo, wild pigs, deer. Yep. Man, yep. it is a 
Florida is like the Australia of this of America. There's it's it's just filled with venomous, scary, but exciting stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like there's yeah. not many places you can be attacked by a, an alligator, a crocodile, and a shark in the same exact spot. Actually, yeah. it might be the only place on earth that that can happen. You know? Yeah. But and then you got then you got black bears not oh. too much further north. Dude, that's a great point. You know, I, I've seen more black bear. I've seen more bears in general in Florida than I have ever seen out west. Hmm. My mom sent me a video of, of a of a a bear and two cubs going through her yard a couple <laughs> probably a year ago now. I was in the middle of Florida. I've only seen two bears out here in Colorado, and yeah. and I remember we went and see it, saw Emily's mom, and we saw we saw two bears walking down the beach in Florida, <laughs> right next to this like wilderness preserve. They were just yeah. on the beach, man. I I never would imagine I'd see a bear walk in the sands of, of the ocean, you know? That's crazy. awesome. It was cool. By now, you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. So a couple years ago, you did a run, the CFIT, which is... I think you already went over the acronym was what cross Florida individual time trial and you, what is it, 150 miles? Uh, no, the, it was, I did the 250 mile route. So you, you did the 250 mile routes and you ran it. Yeah. I ran slash hike. I had like a small pack. Yeah. It was totally self-supported, right? Yeah. It was, it was, um, unsupported. Unsupported. Okay. What was that like? A little different and self-supported, a little easier. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sure. Now, what was that like? Um, that's a long. That's a long way to carry all your stuff. Yeah. No, that was crazy. That was. Um. That was. It was. It was the physically. It was the most challenging thing. I think I've ever done. Yeah. More so than the tour divide. I would say mile for mile, yes. Maybe not overall, but definitely mile mile for mile. Just because it was so, it was so painful for four days straight. Because I did it in just over four days, and uh, my body had never had never uh, suffered like that before. Golly, what what was uh, surprising about it in the sense of difficulty being? I mean, it's pretty flat, but I'm sure it don't really matter when you're. Three days into a 250 mile unsupported run. <laughs> what? What was, you said? Sorry, say that again. What was most challenging, or what was most surprising? Well, I remember you saying something about it being really cold. Actually, yeah, like yeah. 
surprisingly cold at night. Yeah, so I did the I did it in the first week of December 2015. I'd actually just I'd actually just spent Thanksgiving with uh, you and Emily, and uh, came back home, kind of got ready for it. And uh, first week of December, you know, weather can be pretty, uh, I don't know, pretty fickle in Florida around that time. So you can get anywhere from you know mid 80s to low low 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a couple of those nights got into the low 40s and I just wasn't yeah I wasn't prepared I was ultra light only thing I had for clothing was uh my running shorts I had a long sleeve shirt just a t-shirt and like a tank top that's all I had Gosh. And what did you sleep in I had in my pack so in my pack I had water I had a blow up uh climate sleeping pad and I had a uh, what do you call those blankets uh those emergency like the reflective blankets Yeah yeah one of those reflective blanket things you kind of crawl into and just I don't know lay in kind of like a trash bag but it's like a deluxe trash bag You had a deluxe trash bag to sleep in <laughs> Yep yep so I got in the deluxe trash bag and then I just laid on top of my uh, blow up climate sleeping pad for a few hours every day holy cow and what people don't realize man is like 40s 30s and 40s in florida or anywhere that has a lot of humidity is miserable yeah because the air is so wet when that when it's that cold holy cow it's like trying to sleep while you're taking a cold shower it's just yeah it, it penetrates you to to the bone yeah that that chill it is awful yeah absolutely awful. so i i know i mean i know you and i have a lot of memories of how cold we were in alaska and canada yeah and i was just every bit as cold that that, <sighs> that crazy week, that week in florida yep because we were in alaska and you know early in mid-spring yeah. so it was it was it was frigid to us being from two florida boys yeah florida itself gets yeah, pretty dang chilly. And during that, I remember you saying that that was surprisingly difficult part of the trip. Uh-huh. But so yeah, man. So what what have you been what have you been up to lately? What what kind of things do you do to kind of get that fixed now? Um. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, I, I have a three year old daughter, so that lots a lot's changed since uh, she came into the world. Been married. I mean. I've been married now for six years, so no, nothing yeah. nothing's changed there. My wife's always been really supportive, and uh, mm-hmm. she's always been a fan of the, the things uh, you and I do or or I do alone. But uh, yeah, since the baby's come, um, oh, I guess you could say like just mostly just like single day or two day like ultra running events. Mm-hmm. I've done a few fifty milers, did a hundred miler. Uh, I did the tour or the, uh, sea fit again on, not on foot though. I did it on bike last year. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been on the water a lot. I have a, um, stand up paddle board. So, uh, oh, cool. yeah, I'll either go on the lake or I'll take it to, uh, one of the Springs or, uh, econ river. Yeah. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of cool waterways within an hour of my house. So I try to get out and do that with the family or by myself, I'll take the baby, you know, on gator infested rivers 
she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, she's fine. Oh, for you she, don't know about for Jenny. <laughs> yeah, Jenny, you know, gets her heart pounding, but the baby Shane, she loves it. Oh man, that's awesome. Y'all see a lot of gators out there? Yeah, on the econ, definitely. The econ's uh is known for for gators. Wow. Yeah, it runs through wow. the, it runs through the uh little big econ state forest. It's pretty cool. Dang, man. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah, it's it's um where the Florida Trail runs through uh Cincinnati. Oh yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Florida has like a thousand mile through yeah. hiking trail. Like yep. the like the Appalachian Trail, PCT, any of those. Yep. Obviously it's probably not as dramatic, but there are people that do it and absolutely love it because of the uh uniqueness of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, I hope we can I hope we can offer a camp crate itinerary there one day. But um so dude, yeah, so in 2013 we did the tour divide together right which if you've listened to the show and or you know anything about it it's it's a bike race that starts in alberta canada and banff beautiful beautiful setting and goes all the way down to the mexican border along the bicycle version of the continental divide trail and yeah man it is a wild wild ride and (laughs) Yeah, you and I did that together. Why don't you tell people how we found out about it? Yeah, so we found out about it two years before we started. Two years before we started the actual uh, route in 2011. Uh, You and I went through uh, Jasper and Banff National Parks. And um, we we actually went through Banff just uh, happenstance the uh, same week that all the cyclists were getting ready to leave. And um, they thought we were part of it. <laughs> we were just a couple bums, you know, just cycling through Bam. Oh my gosh. And uh yeah, I think we said we wanted to do it. <laughs> and two years later we did it. Bam. That was a that was a wild thing. We we I think we were still pretty fresh and didn't know what we were doing. Oh yeah. But gosh, like we were just kids, you know? Yeah. And yep. I remember yeah, I just remember feeling so inadequate and inexperienced out there and feeling like I have no clue <laughs> what I got myself into. And I remember <laughs> personally just like it sucks from day one because it was so it was so tough. I've always been the wimp, but uh what was something you remember that was pretty vivid from that trip? The tour divide? Yeah. Yeah. Um gosh. I remember probably day three. I think we had um Let's see, we crossed over into the States at the end of day two. And then the next day, I think at the end of day three, I remember we um, we had some lovely people near uh, Whitefish. Okay, was it Whitefish? They took us into their house. I remember we got a, we got a home-cooked meal and a shower. And I just remember, like, taking a shower. Like, I literally blew – I blew my nose and literally, like, just – gunk would pour out of my nose <laughs> so that happened for like i don't know 20 30 seconds stuff was just coming out of my nose and my body was wrecked and i just remember thinking what in the heck am i doing you know i still have 20 i still have 2400 2500 more miles of this Jeez, man. like yeah i was wrecked man yeah i remember waking up on day three and everyone just kind of looked like 
they had made the worst decision of their life. <laughs> Everyone kind of congregated at that gas station. Yeah. And yeah. we all got like breakfast sandwiches and, yeah. and everyone was like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going all out today. Right. I got to chill. Right. I'm going to kill myself. All right. Right. <laughs> They're all those crazy guys though, man. I, I don't know how they do it. There are people that do that race and they sleep like an hour a night for two weeks straight. And man, forget that. <laughs> yeah, know? that's that's incredible. I can't I don't have I don't I don't have that ability probably because I don't have that desire. Yeah. No, man. I feel like you're someone that could do that if you really wanted to. You 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 pretty much you're the type of guy, Paul, that like you're just you just tell your body, I'm gonna get up at two in the morning and run for four hours and you just do it. Like you don't even question it. Whereas me, it's like torture trying yeah, to yeah. convince myself to get up and do something that's miserable. Yeah. So yeah, the, the C-Fit, when I ran it, that's essentially what I did. I slept for about three hours a day for, uh, for four days. So I had, I don't know, 12 hours of sleep in about four days. And I was just, I just pushed my body to the edge. Gosh, man. That is absolutely crazy. No, it's, uh, I don't know. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy pressing that hard? Yeah. So I enjoy both sides of it. I mean, I definitely enjoy the touring. Um, and then when I'm by myself, I definitely enjoy kind of pushing, just like I said, just kind of seeing where the edge is. Um, that's, I don't know, that's something I've always really enjoyed and, something I'm kind of just naturally driven towards is just, just seeing what's, what's possible. And that's, you know, it's like one of the reasons I, I do these things for me. It's, it's really, it's a big experiment, you know, just the, something that tests you in every facet of life, every facet of what you're made of, like nothing else can really test you, um, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, so I, I don't know, I get a thrill out of, just uh seeing what's possible dang do you, do you feel like you've hit your your ceiling then no 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 not yet no 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 because i've you know i've only think that would take <laughs> I, I you know you have to fail eventually and i've you know i mean i've i've been able to complete most of the things i've done yeah you're not like me <laughs> i just quits <laughs> <laughs> i failed things for sure but you know if you keep if you keep achieving, you know, what you set out to do, then now you're nowhere close to your ceiling. Right, right. Yeah. So what do you think it would take for Paul Austin to hit his ceiling? Man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, I know I, I would love to do uh, the trip that you did um, a summer ago with the uh, 14ers, uh, uh. the human-powered, you know, cycling to all the 14ers. and then. Um, summit all of them that um you know i've had crazy ideas about running across you know united states yeah you should do it yeah there's a there's a triathlon every year in florida it's actually right in my backyard on the lake that i live uh two blocks down from it's an ultra man so it's like a double iron man so i thought about doing that holy cow yeah so there's there's lots of things you know i want to do to just still see what's possible so what's uh i think a lot of people will relate to this what's in the way for you or what what are some of the things that have to take priority oh i mean definitely um you know taking care of my family is number one 
that's that's been the biggest uh that's been the biggest balance you know since i've had the baby is trying to balance work you know being a dad being a husband and then being uh able to do these crazy crazy little trips you know without them do you do you find that balance difficult yeah definitely um yeah i mean probably number one because i love i want to be with them so bad but I know they don't want to do, you know, they don't want to run across Florida. <laughs> yeah, your three-year-old doesn't want to run across Florida, huh? Yeah, honestly, man, don't tell Jenny I said this, but I've I've thought about putting Shane in the Bob stroller and doing the sea fit, like with her. Uh, well, <laughs> with her okay. in the stroller. <laughs> I won't tell her. Just you know, it's going to be broadcast to thousands of people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll I don't know. I won't tell her about it. She won't know. How. In the little Bob, you talking about off road or on the on on road biking, or you that, said no the run. Put her in a box oh. and, just, and just run. Do what I did in twenty fifteen. So it's like a hundred oh hundred miles off road, hundred on, then fifty single track. <laughs> I, I do you think Shane wants to do that? I don't know, man. She might be like that. This is boring, and you're really sweaty. <laughs> yeah, she's so awesome. She loves being outside. She loves the adventure. The obvious, right. obviously, a three-year-old would uh, probably get pretty cranky being in a stroller for 20 hours a day. <laughs> Bouncing around, getting right. your sippy cup knocked out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe wait till she's a little older. Can you, can you see yourself doing something with her, you know, like, I don't know, like a tour, bike tour or a run? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. You know, I've, I've, I'm friends with guys who have done the uh, tour divide, you know, with their daughter. Uh, she was like 13 or 14, so it was a little older, but wow, that would be amazing. I'd love to do that. Yeah, what a what a cool kid to be able to do that. What a cool story. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, just talked with a couple that are biking. They've been biking now since they retired all around the world, and uh-huh. their their kids think they're crazy because their kids weren't able to do it with them when they were kids, and uh, they're adults now. But yeah. um. Yeah, I think I think that's something they they mentioned they wanted that to happen. Um, they wish they would have been able to do that. I, I don't know what kind of effect it has on kids, um, but I do think I don't know a level of respect. But I don't know. I, at some point, you want to be able to look your kid in the eye and say like, "Yeah, go for it," just like I did. You know what I mean? Right. Rather than saying, "No, no, no, I don't do that because it's un- so uncertain to me because I, I never tried it or I never did what I really really wanted to do." You know? Yeah. Now, you can, if Shane has some crazy idea when she's 15, 20 years old, you can say, go for it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm all for that. If you want to get into backpacking, but you're not sure where to start, go check out campcrate.net. Campcrate can help you plan the backpacking trip of a lifetime and supply you with all the rental gear you need. Simply go online and choose your gear and your itinerary. Campcrate will then ship your gear anywhere in the U.S. When your trip is finished, use the pre-printed return label to ship the gear back. It's that easy. Campcrate. Rent. Explore. Return. What's a funny story that you can think of from one of our trips together? Oh, I've got a lot that I always think of, but I always want to hear what what it is, what it's like from your perspective. Yeah, um, I think you actually shared this story on on this podcast like a year ago, but the one where we got separated in New Mexico on the tour divide, and then you ended up because 
because I remember you and I, we, we needed each other to navigate. So you had like one half of the set of maps, and then I had the other half. <laughs> I don't know why we did that. Maybe it was like a, it was, it was like a checks and balances or like a balance of power or something. Well, you know, you know why? What? I wanted to do that because, hold on one second. No, the reason the reason I wanted to keep the map separated too because you always left me. I, you'd be like hours ahead of me, and I and I'm, I'd just be pouting, you know, and slowing down even more because I got a bad attitude about it. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, Paul, let me have half the maps, especially ones that are coming up, <laughs> so that you'll have to wait on me. And then, oh my god, it it uh, and then it backfired on us that one day. Yep. And I got separated from you guys. Yep. And uh, yeah, so you, you go ahead and tell. Oh, me. yeah. So I don't, as far as I can remember, we got separated. You didn't have any maps. I don't, or maybe you did. I don't know. But I was with another guy, Eddie. He, he had one of those fancy GPS things that we didn't know existed. Dude, and, uh, we didn't even have a working cyclo computer. Remember that? No, we didn't. No. Every turn we were guessing if yep. this was the right turn. Right. And there there could be five turns in a, in two miles. Yeah. And we were guessing every single turn. Our saving grace was uh, riders in front of us, their, their tracks. <laughs> yep. And hoping that they weren't all making wrong turns yeah. too, which well, happened a couple of times. Yeah. We always went with the majority. So if there was a left or right and we saw like 20, <laughs> 20 tracks to the left, but like six to the right, we always went with the majority <laughs> and that was how we navigated to mexico and that's a hell of a story man we made it from alberta to the border of mexico with paper maps yeah off roads so what was this story <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah so anyway you got separated um cell phone service was real sketch right there yeah had no idea where you were <laughs> Me and this guy, Eddie, we went, I think it was like 80, 90 miles with no services. Oh, yeah, we had left, we had left Platoro, Colorado at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. that morning because we knew we had 80 or 90 with no services. And we, me and Eddie made it to the, to the um, hotel. We had dinner. I ordered you a burrito, expecting you to roll in within an hour. <laughs> uh, you never showed could not connect on the cell phone i was really worried about you man <laughs> it was fourth of july uh we yeah, hooked, that's right we hooked up we that. hooked up the next morning and you had this like you had this crazy off the wall like seinfeld story that was almost unbelievable <laughs> i remember that being like the funniest part one of the most memorable parts of the entire trip so in a nutshell in a nutshell, you ran out of water, you ran out of like food, and you rolled up. I think you were off route. You rolled up in this little yeah by twenty miles. Yeah, so you you got off track. You saw a family celebrating the fourth in their front yard. <laughs> you asked, <laughs> you you crashed the party. Asked if you if you could have like a snack or a drink. I remember you telling me they were really polite. Invited you in, gave you a coke. You took a sip and passed out in their living room. <laughs> yep. Passed out. Right. So the way I remember it is you, you came to, uh, they were fanning you. Uh, who knows what they were doing, but uh, 
you woke up and they, they offered to give you a ride or something. I don't remember. You got back on route and uh, we met up. Yeah. I think I waited for you and the town was um Abiquiu or something like that. Abiquiu. It was yeah, dude. The next that night I could not find you. They they took me back on route and I kept going down the road. Ah. I could not find you and it started raining really hard. Yep. So I got underneath there was a truck just parked out in this like ranger station looking thing. Yep. Nobody was there, so I just laid up underneath the truck okay. and slept mm-hmm. until the next morning. Mm-hmm. Got up and biked right at sunrise, and I pull up at this out of nowhere. There was this resort with a golf course and (laughs) beautiful buildings. It was like Adobe style buildings, and right on the daggum front porch, you were sitting there eating a breakfast burrito, (laughs) (laughs) like a full meal. I have one for you though. You did. (laughs) You're like, oh shoot, hey, this one's for you. Uh, I probably chucked it at your head or something. Oh man, that was stressful, man. That was a stressful night. It was. That was a tough. I was like, I have, I have no idea where you were. That was a tough hundred mile stretch for sure. Yeah, man, that was funny. That was. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's like you would have you could have beat my tail on that race, but you stayed with me, and I appreciate it. And we we actually did a race the last what thirty miles of the of the route. Yeah, something like that. In the uh, chew, chewy, uh, chewy cocoa in the uh, desert. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to say it. I don't know. I just remember you. Uh, we were both standing up on the pedals for quite a while, and you ran me off the road. <laughs> and I fell in the ditch. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, yeah, that's that competitiveness. Ah, you have competitiveness in you too, though. You know, you. Yeah, I just ain't got the body to to compete. Yeah. At your level. Now that was impressive what we did. We went all out for like thirty minutes. Yeah, on a super flat road. It was tough pedaling. But <laughs> yeah, man, those were awesome experiences. Life changing. Yeah. They were, weren't they? Yeah. And I th- I think it's important for people to know that they're life changing, but then there's like all these choices that come after you you discover like a passion like that. Mm-hmm that might not be pleasant might not be easy and got to care it's almost like those those are lessons that you learn all those trips that we did and that other people can do and you got to implement it into your normal life or it'll drive you crazy you know mm-hmm. what uh so what's next for paul what do you think what do you think you'll be doing adventure sports wise or um i mean on the books right now i just committed to uh actually with jordan our buddy, uh, we're going to do one of Carlos's, the guy I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to do one of his routes up in, um, up in the panhandle of Florida. And that, that's called the Tally Tango. So, so that's like a, like a 160 ish mile loop that goes, um, around Tallahassee, the outskirts of Tallahassee mm. down to, uh, down to the Gulf at the Southern uh, point of the circle and then at the north goes up toward alabama that sounds actually Dang. pretty pretty fun does that go through tate's hell yes I believe so yeah but i don't know oh, what that yeah. is i don't know what that is but i believe that's on the route i, I think that's a, it's just a big empty spot on the map that's full of forest and wild country okay and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah you're probably going through like apalachicola or east point or something yep apalachicola 
There's yeah, some, that's where my mother-in-law lives. Okay. There's some national or state forests right there we go through. I forget what it's called. Man, that'd be cool. When When is that? That's October 6th. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. Yeah, and that, uh, that Carlos, he, he is, uh, shout out to him, he's the single track samurai, right? Right, that's his alias, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, if you live in the southeast and you want some cool bike packing routes, this guy does a good job from what I've heard from you and from other people. Yeah, yeah, amazing routes for sure. That's got to be a daunting task to write routes. Oh yeah, he spends he spends a lot of time doing this stuff, and he doesn't charge for this, these trips, right? I think it's yeah, it's just like donation based. A lot of people give thirty, man. forty, fifty bucks. Dang, man, it's people like him that like I'm amazed by. You know, yeah. they just do this stuff because they want to, and so many people benefit from it, but they might not benefit like monetarily, but. I'm sure it's not about that for him, of course. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's pretty humbling to see people that put together adventures for others like that. Uh-huh. It's kind of what we do at Camp Crate, but it ain't free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> ain't even close. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. So you got that? Anything else in the in the distant future, or just gonna play it by ear? No, I mean, in the meantime, you know, I'm gonna keep. You know, I'm always trying to stay in shape mostly running and swimming i don't even own a bike yeah. i don't own a bike right now so i'm just borrowing someone's bike for the you uh soldier bikes yeah i sold my bikes um dang so i'm borrowing one of jordan's bikes for the tally tango what happened to your mountain bike i sold it man why i just couldn't justify just keeping it around for you know i only rode it like four or five days a year you got no you got no sentimental bone in your body do you <laughs> no not really Man, you do not, because that one. I was like, eh, ten year anniversary of the Alaska trip. We got to go for a ride on the same bikes, and nope, Paul sold it on eBay. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. <laughs> well, that's good, man. You don't hold on to stuff forever. No. But unlike me, I'm like, no, oh, that bike that's going to be with me till I die. Yeah, no, I mean that's I'm one of that's my kids. that's one of the ways I've been affected by these kind of trips is I've become like a like a ultra not ultra, but I've become just a, a minimalist, you know. I have a strict rule, you know, life rule. It's called the 365 rule. If I don't use something in 365 days, if I don't use something in a year, it's automatically gone. And if I only, if I only use it a handful of times in a year, then I, I take a really hard look if I need it at all and Dang. usually get rid of it. So your bikes are one of them. Is there any other weird object that you've gotten rid of after a year? Uh, no, yeah, I wasn't using the bikes enough, so they were gone. Um, uh, no, nah, I mean, mostly it's just random things, you know, clothing, uh, shoes, um, tools. You know, I, I, I use a lot of tools. It really bugs my wife. I mean, it would probably bug a lot of people, but really bugs my wife. Why? Because I don't, I usually don't, I usually don't console her. I mean, even, even if it's one of like our mutual items, like, uh, yeah, something around the house. Yeah. Yeah. If, if she doesn't use it in a year and I'm like, you know, see ya, <laughs> but then, you know, it's my luck. She'll need it the next day. Oh yeah. So. No, that's how it goes, man. You gotta, you can't be doing that. You gotta talk to your wife about it. <laughs> Dang, man, I, I can't believe you got rid of both your bikes. I just. I don't know. It's like, I want to frame that thing. 
somehow. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, man, it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, I mean, that's good. Dang, anything else you want to share with the with the guests before departing? Any advice? Uh, yeah, I think I kind of touched on it already, but I think one of the biggest reasons why people are hesitant to do something, do some of the things like we've talked about on the show today, mm-hmm. is because of just not knowing. Just I feel like they're inexperienced and they feel like failure is probably like the the imminent you know result of what they're gonna do. And I would just try to say from what I've learned and from what I've learned with you is try not to view an adventure as a pass or fail, like a, a pass or fail test. Try to view it instead, try to view it as like an experiment with with like an uncertain outcome. Okay. So that pretty much for me, it takes away all the pressure. For me, it's not really like a, a mount, um, mountainous triumph if I yeah, if yeah. I complete it, and it's not a you know bottom of the barrel feeling if I fail. It's an, it's an experiment, like I said earlier, to see what's possible, and just really to see you know what what you can do, what your body personally can do. And um, that's good advice. Oh yeah, I mean it's I think it's huge to even because then you know there's no pressure to attempt something like that. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's you can criticize someone all you want for trying something that and they fail. It. If you ain't doing it, then shut up. You know what I mean? You're on the sidelines. You're not participating right. in the game. You know, we right. had a guy a couple probably a month ago now or more, David Morrow, who who did the seven summits, and he yeah. was saying that he recognized this was crazy. I thought it was really cool. He recognized that the people who were dead set on summiting like Everest or Denali, uh-huh. um, they're usually the ones that failed because the experience was so long. You can't be driven by that single goal when it, when it's still like a month and a half away, you know what I mean? Cause okay. or like, even when it's still like 10 days out, because that goal was so big. That's almost like trying to say, that's trying to be driven by some goal that's 20 years down the road. It's really hard to stay focused every day. And he was saying the guys that were like, I'm here for the experience. I'm here for the camaraderie. I'm here for uh-huh. like that next cup of hot coffee or hot chocolate, that next beautiful sunrise. He goes, those guys with that kind of attitude are the ones yeah. that seem to to do the best mentally, that seem to get along better with people and ultimately mm-hmm. have just a better chance of success, which mm-hmm. seems so counterintuitive, but... I mean, the more I talk to people like you and like him, I feel like you guys share some of those same qualities. Like, yeah, be driven by that goal, but you got to really enjoy like the little tiniest thing. Yes, absolutely. And I call that like the principle of small victories. Hmm. Like if I get up, if I'm on a, you know, if I'm with you and we're trying to make it from, um, we're trying to make it from Montana to, I don't know, Wyoming. Yeah. Mon- Montana is a huge state, right? So I, I don't think about the big goal. I just think about, hey, I'm wa- I have to wake up now. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. I have to wake up, have to get dressed. I have to pack up camp. Yeah. That's my first, that's my first victory of the day. Yeah. So you start small, and then it starts rolling. And the next victory is getting on your bike, yeah. pedaling for an hour, first hour pedaling yeah. for first hour. So that's yeah, another victory. Yeah. Yep. As you start like having more and more victories, these small victories, 
it's like a snowball. It just starts rolling, picking up, and then it just it just works, man. That's good advice, dude. Yeah. That can be obviously something you put into every day of your life with uh-huh. achieving any goal. But yeah, it, it, it blows my mind what some people can achieve, but it's really all they did was did more little victories than me, you know? Uh-huh. They, uh-huh. And another good thing that, that uh, I heard on that same episode by the host, Kurt, he said, mountains are climbed with your head, not your feet and not your hands. And I'm like, and you bike across the country with your head. Um, man, you can start wind starts pounding. It's raining, man. You're just like this. Why am I out here? This sucks. <laughs> I never, uh-huh. this is stupid. And, uh-huh. and you start losing control of those thoughts, man. And you just, your small victories are out the window. Yep. Um, and you, you, you've taught me that more than anybody because I, I definitely, uh-huh. it's a head game for me. So yep. I, I'm a lot less successful when I go out and do something on my own. Simply gotcha. because I don't have like the influence of you on every mile, just saying like, "Shut up and pedal," you know what <laughs> I mean? Or like zero expression on your face, and like, no, we just this is what we got to do. It's it. Like, there's no. What do you mean? You're tired, or what do you mean? It's windy. Of course it is. Like, it doesn't matter. I love it. Just, I, I just can I can envision myself just saying, "Come on, man, twenty more minutes." Yeah, just, yeah. Let's just pedal for 20 more minutes and see what happens. I I don't think I would have done probably. I don't think I would have ever started if it wasn't for you. Mm, that's, that's, um, that's humbling to know, but man, I, God, I want to do a trip, dude. <laughs> we got a lot of time. Uh, we just interviewed a couple that's in their sixties. They just started bike touring when they were 50 and they're that's like awesome. 15 years in, man. That's a lot of biking. And they were 50 when they started, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We got a long time. I want to carve out some time soon and do something else and then we'll have you back on and we'll tell some more stories. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll have to I'll have to uh to, to to dig deep and try to get some really good stories from all the all the trips. I don't get to talk about this a lot, so it's it's real it's real nice. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Keep plugging away and uh I just want you to know, man, it's not um you just got so many years ahead of you and there might be a little lull in your experiences, but you know, I, the, the guy that did the 14 ers record that, that, um, 40 year old guy, remember him that climbed them all in record time. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I remember you mentioned him to me. You yeah. told me about him and he, Oh yeah. He's, he's like a stay at home dad, right? Yeah. Well he was like, yeah, I attempted this when I was like 25, 22 <laughs> And, and did it on bike. He did the bike and hike them. And, yeah. uh, and he's like, and he, he didn't do it for like 20 years, man, or, or 15 <laughs> years. He was like, Oh yeah, I was a stay at home dad of four. <laughs> didn't do anything, nothing. Like I took him hiking. Like the kid, he was just like off the radar and then came back <laughs> out of nowhere and just killed it. That's awesome. I don't know, man. It's just, so I want to encourage you with that. I'm excited. All right, dude. Well, I'll let you go. And, uh, thanks for, thanks for making this happen. No, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Let's catch up again soon. All right, brother. Love you. Love you too, bro. All right. See you. All right. See you. All right, everybody. So that was Paul Austin, uh, admittedly my best friend, but also a huge influence to, to why I've done the things I've done. And, 
you know, just, just shout out to everybody out there who is influencing the people around them to do something. Um, you know, I've gotten some recognition and I, I definitely love to tell the stories, but I couldn't have done half the things I've done, done without Paul's influence and without his motivation. And if you've got someone like that in your life, whether it's through adventure sports or your career, or that pushes you on a daily basis, um, or, or on a, at some point in your life, they were really influential. I really challenge you reach out this week, this weekend, and just let them know, send them a Facebook message, send them an email, a text, a a postcard, and just say, Hey, you know, thank you for investing in me when I needed it. and, And it's really brought me to the point I am today. So Paul, I just want to tell you that personally, I love you, man. And dude, I, I admire you. I respect you like very few people I've ever met. So thanks, man. And I look forward to all the things we get to do in the future. So, and also thanks audience. You know, this is my first time hosting this show. Thanks for indulging me um, with a friend. It was good to, to kind of ease into it that way. And yeah, look forward to some changes in the show. Look forward to you being able to be involved as as a member of the Adventure Sports Podcast family and as a listener. So uh, look forward to that and get out there and have some fun. Thanks for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and be sure to tell all your friends about the show. Everybody deserves a little adventure. Until the next episode, get out there and try something new.